I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And like always, we have the freshest of guests for you. And on this episode, we have Norel and Matthew Green of the Philadelphia-based indie punk band Stud Count. They just released their debut self-titled album this summer via Smart Punk Records. We chat about the making of the album, doing a project that sounds different from their hardcore scene roots, and much, much more. So, without further ado, let's get into this interview with Norel and Matthew Green of Stud Count. Hey, how's it going? How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Doing all right. I'm doing all right, man. Thanks for uh, taking the time out to do this interview. Uh, took a couple times to do it, but good to go now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, introduce yourselves uh, real quickly. I'm Narelle, the vocalist of Stud Count. And I'm Matthew, the guitarist of Stud Count. All right, Matthew Noel. And like, and just, I just want to welcome everybody to the Fresh of the Word podcast, live podcast here on Twitch TV. And like they already uh, mentioned, this is the Philly based punk rock group Stud Count. They got a their self titled album coming out on July 22nd. I've heard the whole thing, it's really great. Glad to have them with me. Thank you for ha- being on the Fresh of the Word uh, podcast. Thank you so much for having us, man. We really appreciate it. All right, cool. Like, going into this, uh, you know, going into this new album, what was sort of like, like your, you know, what what did you want to get out of doing, you know, making this album? That's a loaded question. Um. <laughs> <laughs> We're just getting to know each other right now. Are you sure you want to delve that deep though so quickly? Hey, I just, I just dive right in, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, well, if I may, uh, you know, we started three months before quarantine. Uh, we had a really killer first show about three weeks before quarantine. And then basically, you know, music was sort of a, just an idea for a long time. You know, we, people released stuff. I mean, it did what it was going to do there without being a on it live it had its advantages it had its disadvantages and i mean as far as goals i mean i wrote most of these songs two and a half years ago so like the goal is for like people to hear stud count maybe for the first time you know get the audience that maybe that we'd like to have because i think everyone that's heard it so far seems to dig it and i would like everybody else to hear it now too that's really my only goal is just getting ears on it and being able to go perform this live and, you know, have a good time with the songs that we've sort of been bent up with for the last couple of years. Yeah. Everybody kind of came from like different, you know, bands, just like that happens in every city. Um, like how did you guys all come together and when was it like, yo, let's be serious with this and make, make something that, you know, that we can really put out on a real label. Well, we met uh, Brett at the bar Tattooed Moms on South Street. 
um, after seeing Basement, I want to say, and it's... It, it was either Basement Teenage Wrist or when they did the Failure Swerve Driver tour. Yeah, there was, like, a tour that two. came through, and we just went down to T-Moms to, like, hang out, and uh, he was a friend of a friend, and so they were yeah. like, oh, this is Brett, he's, like, a drummer, and we were like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and with, like, loose talk about getting something together, you know, I was touring, like, a lot in a band at the time, and... You know, you make tentative agreements just to play music with people. You know, when you've done it for a amount of time, you're, it's never going to happen, probably. <laughs> uh, but then when it sort of, if it ever does, you can say that you have been meaning to do this for a long time. So we made tentative plans to do something a little softer. You know, I've been playing in hardcore punk bands since I was 12, 13 years old, which is a lot now of time. Um, and so we just basically threw around the idea of doing something a little softer. Uh, but at the time, we'd been hanging out with a friend of ours uh, in West Philly who ended up, you know, uh, playing bass for us. And uh, we threw the idea together in the fall of 2019. And, you know, a few of us knew a kid who had just moved there from California named Max. And we all got together. We... You know, we had our first couple practices and yeah, I mean, Philly is honestly a city full of transplants and, you know, I'm originally from closer to Manhattan um, and Norell is from Allentown, PA. And so, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a melting pot of different people that we just kind of ended up meeting each other by happenstance. How does sort of like that, like melting pot of different people sort of, you know, does it add to the creativity of Philly? You know, how's that Philly scene like? Well, I think it's um, very diverse. We have like subgenre scenes. Uh, like it's not just one hardcore scene. You have like West Philly punk. You have, um, you know, like fast hardcore punk. Then you have like your like New York hardcore listener punk and metalcore <laughs> as well like there's like there's a lot of subgenre scenes in it and it's not even really even divided by genre it's yeah. like it's divided by a crowd and to be frank with you in philadelphia it's measured by what they're willing to tolerate behaviorally <laughs> now i'm sure you know exactly what i mean and, right uh, right and to be fair honestly man like i worked i i volunteered for this is hardcore for several years in a row and like i got no snack to talk about any stretch of that scene i mean like there's philly's a big city there's a million people in it with a million different pockets. And I don't know. I don't think people moving there and not moving there means anything. I mean, it's, uh, it's, there's a lot to offer and it's kind of divided. Uh, but, um, to say that it lends to the sound might probably isn't true. Like nobody make moves to Philadelphia to make it, you know, it's not Nashville or Los Angeles, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a gritty, mid-Atlantic city with a lot of different characters in it like gritty like gritty <laughs> like, like uh, the mascot like, like <laughs> the mascot <laughs> deserves. if you haven't seen him look him up oh no i've seen him he i just wanted to make sure gritty <laughs> is looks batshit crazy though spend some time marinating on who gritty is and why we deserve him uh, <laughs> anyway <laughs> that's that's a whole other podcast like session right 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 so you started writing these songs before the pandemic. How did you like just get through the pandemic with this music? 
or the, in with this newly formed band you know what, what was kind of going on in your head during this whole time well we kind of um were very blessed during the pandemic because we had a core group of friends that we would hang out with um and so like we just kind of kept to ourselves because we had already been hanging out <laughs> right so when COVID hit like yeah we were all like ah what's happening um but we just continued to just stick together and like if any of us traveled we'd like you know stay apart for like a week or so make sure no one was sick and then you know like get tested or whatever and then get back together and hang uh and so we really just got to practice during that time and just hang and like create deeper bonds as bandmates which was really cool uh and the music like yeah it sucked sitting on and waiting but like yeah. we were very blessed that like right after quarantine smart punk records was they picked it up so i don't know that's yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, I don't know, like, the, the city that we're living in and the music scene that you know I've been involved in one shape, way, shape, or form for most of my life, it's not easy to be around. You know, there's, like, it's, it's, it's a music scene that prides itself on attracting sort of messed up people, right? And that's the, the sort of the beauty of it. If you were remotely familiar with, like, the B9 era of hardcore, you probably heard a lot about it. But the... I mean, I'm here in Detroit, so, like, I get it. <laughs> a little meaner, for sure. Doesn't yeah. matter what doesn't matter what genre of music, like, yeah. what so, you just said is, like, true here. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's true everywhere, man. America, like, hardcore is this thing, right? This hardcore punk thing. It's the whole point is that it attracts this, this sort of flawed the individual, and then it says something about unity. But the fun thing about unity is that it requires not just messed up people to be hanging out, but then somebody with some sort of foundation on which to hang out. Right. And, you know, like you know, like you don't get a bunch of orphans together and it's an orphanage, right? You need like staff. <laughs> yeah. But hardcore doesn't have that, right? So it's like. So anyway, the point is like, it's, you know, quarantine was really refreshing for me. Like I had, I don't think I'd ever been more burnt out on music and punk and hardcore in my entire life when I started writing this like out demo, um, at the, you know, the fall of 2019. So when quarantine hit, I just, it felt like such a blessing. It didn't feel like a problem to me. And it gave me the time, you know, we went to, uh, we're married, you know, and we went to my in-laws, her parents' house for a couple of months. And I don't know what it was like in Detroit, but in, in the Northeast, it really kind of seemed like the world was ending. Um, like, like maybe literally. Like, the, <laughs> like everything was really shut down. Yeah. People were scared, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, it was, and so being in the mountains, we stayed there for two months. You know, I, it was nice. I didn't have any work because Philly was closed, you know? Like, closed, closed. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and so we wrote... <sighs> Honestly, it was the best thing that could have happened, giving giving us a year and a half of, of scene ambiguity, basically, like of mm -hmm. nothing happening besides your friends and the music that you want to create, taking time to write with one another once we figured out nothing was going to explode. Um, and, you know, we tracked a, a promo tape with a, with a mic or two in, my, in her, her parents' basement. And it was very DIY. It was very, it was, yes, it was very cool and punk rock of us. I was just like <laughs> in my parents' basement with like a mic, like wrapped around a pillar on top. And, <laughs> and I'm just like on my toes, like yelling into this mic. It was great. You know, I so, will forever cherish those memories. Oh, definitely. And then going upstairs and my parents being like, how's it going? <laughs> it worked out great. But basically, you know, to answer your question, you know, like it was amazing. 
to get through that. I mean, the only thing that was kind of a bummer was the waiting and the ambiguity of it all. Like in my mind, like who will sign us? Why would, why would somebody do a, an LP for a band that's never done anything before? Like why would, so one of my other bands, I play in a power violence band that uh, a label called Convulse was nice enough to sign in the spring of 2020. And uh, when I talked to him, I said, hey, man, would you, would you be willing to do physical tapes for the, the stud count demos? And he was like, yeah, totally. And so he did. And so basically we got those out. We got something of traction, tentative plans. And then I being determined is a nice way to say it. Very dumb is a more honest way to say it. <laughs> Polished off the writing for a full LP for stud count. Recorded it in, over the course of a few weeks uh, for with a guy named Zach from New Jersey, who is the man that you should record with him if you ever get a chance. And I shopped it on a whim to maybe five labels. And Smart Punk was kind enough to sign it. So really, to answer your question, quarantine was the coolest thing that could happen. No, I get that, man. Because when I was, like, during that time, it was nice to be away from uh, um, certain people from the music scene here. Um, it was, it was nice to be away from a lot of things and then how, how you saw musicians of all different types sort of deal with it during the, um, you kind of saw who's real and who's not, you know, who can kind of, who can kind of, who has real talent, who can do things with nothing. You know, I kind of like, I, I DJ and I kind of, I was exhausted from DJing. I hated DJing before the pandemic and I kind of just fell fell back in love with it from like um watching, you know, Twitch streams of certain, you know, DJ friends of mine, you know, who who were, you know, talking about the records and being so very like into the, you know, passionate about the music. So, yeah, there was these great things, you know, creatively that came out of the the pandemic. Also, wherever in Detroit, you gotta let me know if you're DJing. So that's a that's an art form all by itself, man. I gotta I gotta hear that. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, once once you once you heard back that uh, Smart Punk wants to uh, you know sign with you, man. What what was what was next after that? Because you had an album polished off and everything. What did you do after that? Well, can definitely vouch for this. Six weeks of deliberating whether or not to take the contract, uh, dude. I like. I don't know if you have Jews in Detroit, but I am. I am classic Seinfeldian overthinker guy. <laughs> like, and I overthought more than anyone has overthought in their entire life is what happened next, and which is insane because Smart Punk is like a legacy label. The guy who I was talking to was super cool, and. Honestly, a much smaller label reaching out wanting to work with a full like vinyl record for us would have been cool. This was super cool. So I talked to my brother, who's like an agent in Hollywood, and like had him look at the contract. I had one of the guys from my church who was in like a really big metal band, and like he did all the contracts for them. Look at it, and like we were getting everyone to look. We were getting stuff. everyone that has a real opinion about that kind of stuff. <laughs> to be fair, is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Nobody, yeah. <laughs> 
You're supposed to be, here's my life. All right, all right. I actually, I lied. This is what happened. They sent us a contract, and I said, all right, sounds good. I'm not even going to read it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> I, um, you said I'm punk. I can't read. I can't read, write, or do math. Come on. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, and that, that was really it. I just, you know, it, it was this crazy sort of pillar moment in my life. Uh, where I was like, damn, smart punk, like the less than Jake people want to work with my band. This is this is very cool. So that's really it. We, I deliberated and overthought, uh, not quite as hyperbolically as I just said, but I deliberated, sat on it, you know, thought about it, processed, and talked to people I trust. And then we ultimately decided to go with it. They were not the only label that got back to us, by the way, out of the five, but they were certainly the coolest. So very blessed yeah that's really it what's sort of like the the songwriting recording process for you guys do you guys you know kind of bounce things off of each other you know she's the vocalist you write songs what how do you sort of you know do things so uh matthew has this really cool gift that he can hear entire songs and records in his mind he will just like write a song in his mind and just have it and then he'll have to explain it to our drummer and they get each other. They have a language they speak. <laughs> and true. and Brooke's like, oh, like this. And then they get it. And then they, like, Matthew will let, like, they would, basically, he'd go over to Brett's house. They would write a demo, like, or, like, demo it out on a phone. And then he'd bring it to me and, like, play it on acoustic guitar and be like, what do you hear over this? Um, and so sometimes he'd have, like, an idea for a vocal, um, like, rhythm. Uh, and I would, I write of melodies and um i've i've written some of the lyrics for this lp uh we've kind of we kind of went back and forth on lyrics um but mostly it was just matthew writing the bones of things and then like max wrote the leads brett um figured out the drums with matthew but matthew mostly wrote the whole thing and then we all like added our parts to it um, yeah. pretty much yeah something i've learned with this band in particular and this group of bands that i do now and the three currently um, is all with Brett, actually, our drummer, and one other with Narelle. Um, is that the song, I just, I get collaborative songwriting, but I really don't like it. Uh, which I know maybe sounds like sort of like arrogant or difficult, like I'm some kind of diva, but I just like, that's just not my writing style. I mean, one time with Brett, awkwardly, I was like, well, when we were doing Drill Sergeant, and we were writing the demo. I was like, well, you just want to write? And we're here. I taught you the four songs I wrote last yesterday. Uh, do you want to try something else? And we tried. And we're like, he's like, sure, why not? And we did. And it was like, this is weird. And he was like, and he just said, yeah, yeah, come back tomorrow with the song already written and we'll do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and it works for Brett. And that's the thing is that that's, I sue me. But honestly, and this is a guy who's been touring and playing in bands for a lot of my life. Most good bands have one to two main songwriters, and that's it. That's all you need. You do not need a four or five way split of creative control. That gets sticky. Mm -hmm. It gets messy. It gets obnoxious. So that's so yeah. What they're all said, and then just to cap that off, I'll say like if eighty five percent of the song is written before practice, it ain't gonna happen to me personally. So that's really it. We did that. Every band I'm in is kind of like that. I wrote it out, maybe on my iPhone, recorded an acoustic version of it, so I wouldn't forget the riff. And then we are thinking about, um, I have my own singer-songwriter stuff that's just called Norel K. Um, and I, we were thinking about giving some of my songs to our second LP, because um, they're very, like, Cranberries, 
esque, and we can add like a harder edge to them. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what we'll happens see what for happens. LP2. <laughs> I will say that I'm like dedicatedly keeping the songwriting between Narelle and I for the most part. Uh, this is these are sort of our babies as far as music is concerned. It doesn't mean I would say like no to a riff from the guys in the band. I just the uh, right. you know it's just keeping it keeping it in the family. You know that's the <laughs> keeps things well. It makes makes everything yeah. unsticky. Not know? in a weird way. Not in a weird way. Just in a <laughs> functional way. We're keeping it keeping it clean. You know keeping it clean. Yep, clean yeah. and organized. <laughs> you get me. Thank you. Yeah, I do. Okay, I have a uh, a question that someone posted on my Instagram. Uh, Amelius Black, that's the, her uh, Instagram handle. She wants to know what was the best part of your most recent tour. Well, probably playing music with our friends. That's always the highlight. Like, yeah. even if the travel, it can be hard, or even if like everyone's tired or like whatever, but like really just hanging out with your friends and then playing music is like a high that like, just you forget everything else. <laughs> like on the tour, you're just like, yep. doesn't matter. Like I might've had a headache. doesn't matter now. Like, Oh, for we're playing sure. music, whatever. Yeah. I'll second that. I'll get yeah. that Rock sure. in with your friends. I mean, these were, like I said, we had one show before quarantine. And so coming <laughs> back and like, we like, but this is our second through eighth show is what happened this tour was. So I feel like I've I've met so many band talked so many bands where they were like, Yeah, we had one show and then the quarantine hit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I felt like we were reaching sort of like a housing bubble type situation underground when it came to like musical creativity. I mean, it was almost to the point where like hardcore didn't even care about hardcore bands anymore. And yeah. which is fair. If you've heard one, you've heard the rest for the most part. So the this is a guy who loves hardcore and has been involved for a very long time. But the uh, we were reaching this sort of bubble where it was like uh, people were just like almost hardcore went almost wasn't having hardcore bands. Anymore. It was very strange. And so I think the quarantine actually popped that bubble. And so yeah. Uh, but so it does, makes a lot of sense that people were starting bands directly before quarantine all work um but as far as this last tour is concerned for me it's like yeah i'll echo that it was fun playing music but like the reception for a band so new and i'll be straight with you as a person that obviously we know each other very well now you and i were old friends so yeah you can hear about this. um the uh we there was a lot of sort of shifts to overcome to get on to do this tour to begin with i mean like one, we didn't know really all the details about the festival that we were playing. That was sort of the, the the highlight of the tour. We were playing this thing called So What Music Festival. It was one of those nostalgia fests. Yeah. With some 41s and what have you on them. Uh, and we didn't really know what day we were playing. We didn't know when on the fest we were going to play. We didn't know even if we were going to play until about three months beforehand. And then what that caused us to have to do, we'd have to do is sort of scramble tour. Uh, and that's nobody's fault, you know, but, uh, so that means that like we were gone for like 13 days and we only have seven of those were show days. Yeah. So we were like show off, show off the entire tour. But the coolest part was that our shows, like all but like two of them were like very, very cool. Yeah. Like we played in little rock, Arkansas. We did like a Southern loop, uh, <laughs> as we were playing in Dallas, right? That's like DFW area. 
and like Little Rock, Arkansas was one of the coolest shows I've ever played in my life. I mean, we sold so much merch. Like, I mean, the, we sold almost everything we brought with us, which is insane for a new band. But like, people it's cool asking, merch. I gotta say that, you know. Thank you so much. That's you can totally thank Tad Martin and Smart Punk Team for the designs. <laughs> I was like, like I'm like. I can't explain. You ever see like a raccoon try to paint a picture? It's like the same idea trying to describe what I'm looking for in the design. Um, but like, basically, it's also very cute. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'm glad somebody thinks so. The, uh, <laughs> I think raccoons are very cute. Yeah. No getting around that. But the um, the point is that like, I mean, at that show and like others, like there was like a. It wasn't like just a hardcore tour at all. We're not a hardcore band, obviously, but it wasn't just the sort of hardcore adjacency that you might expect i mean yeah. people asked us to sign their merch more than yeah, once people i, you know, I was like, it was cool this uh this dad and daughter came up to me at the arkansas show and he's like will you sign her shirt and take a picture with her and i was like sure like i <laughs> that was really cool um and yeah. and then like later on the girl's uncle came up and was like i want you to do the same thing so he bought also the long sleeve and had me sign it and i was like okay sweet and then people that had followed me on Instagram for years uh, came and saw our band. And that, like, blew my mind. Because I was like, the level of dedication you have to coming here and being here. Like, you didn't have to. But you came out. And, like, buying merch and just hanging out. Like, that was really cool. That so, really cool. definitely. And so, just to sum it up, basically, like, I've been in hardcore punk bands for most of my life. And this is the first thing that's like, yeah, it's a punk band. But it's, like, not just a punk band. There's, like, power pop elements. There's stuff that... And, like, my whole life I've heard from my friends that play and maybe a little bit more mainstream-sounding bands, like, even if it's just pop-punk or, like, metalcore or something. And they would refer to their touring as a career. And I was like, are you stupid? What do you mean your career? You're, like, not going to make money from this. And I realize now how rude that probably sounds. <laughs> but, but, but the thing is, they were really – it is a career for them. And I, like – and, like, and they – I'm just from a subculture that, like, needs to make money to survive but refuses to make it unless yeah. you're like prince isle or terror and the like and what i realized on this tour was like stuff like that is that like it's not just people at the show that i want to make friends with which is true there's really an artist fan relationship on this tour that was quantifiable there were teenagers that came to some of our shows that like we were the coolest thing they'd ever seen yeah. to them that's what they said like people several people told me they loved me which is which is <laughs> Which is understandable. Just like grabbing me by the shoulders and telling me while another band is playing, and I was like, "Wow!" Yeah. So basically, just like establishing being <laughs> being treated like a real band was the coolest part for me. Uh, apart from playing shows with my friends, I didn't realize how badly I missed touring until I hit my first note the first night. But yeah. Being that you were, you know, in these hardcore bands for so long, and you're doing something that's a bit more softer, a little not so heavy. Like, do you, do you ever get any, like, you know, blowback or any sh shade from like people that you knew from the hardcore, hardcore scene about what you're doing now? Well, yes, for sure. Uh, I would, if I hung out with them, probably. So, but I don't. So the, like, you know what I mean? I'm not, I mean, I mean that with as much love as in respect as possible, but the, the, the sort of like secondhand closeness i have with most people from hardcore now there's been a, a civil appreciation about what we're doing and that's Plus, most people think it's sick i mean we have like songs that i would quantifiably say are hardcore songs you heard the whole record you heard that 
Yeah. Yeah, actually, kids, uh, kids did mosh a lot. One of the shows, actually, more than one. Yeah. Several. Like, um, so because we do have some like the band, the, the song Push, um, has kind of like a side to side part that's like like just bass. Um, yeah. where you kind of just want to crawl. Like you find an abrasive horse. <laughs> and I, I mosh, I mosh on stage. Like, the, like I can't yeah. not. Um, you know, we we all come from punk, basically, or hardcore. So it's like those elements are gonna be heard. Because if you, I mean. Like any band that's like, that's like us, that's not a hardcore band, but we come from those roots. You're gonna hear a little bit of it. Yeah, like I mean, so so yeah, nobody's really called me a sellout yet, but uh, <laughs> or anything like that. But that's because people in punk and hardcore have been playing in melodic bands now for 25, 30 years. Yeah. I mean, it would be intellectually dishonest to to like be forget punk for a moment because punk is literally just pop played by ugly Jews from New York, uh, which of course, as myself as one. I, very happy to hear that. <laughs> the uh, but hardcore, you know, which was basically, I'm sure you know, hardcore. The whole point is that it's punk with all the fat sucked out twice the speed. That was the whole point. It's not punk; it's hardcore punk. You know, there's some, some a soundtrack of the sort of criminal lifestyle these guys were living. Um, and you know, but from the first hardcore bands, the next band they did, you know, those guys were Fugazi, yeah, and in Rights of Spring. And so there's been this trend of the guys, once they're done being pent up adolescents, maybe they get a girlfriend or something, and then they start a more melodic band. I mean, that's why we have emo. That's why we have pop punk. That's why we have things like this. That uh, And so for me, I've never gotten any blowback. But if I did, I would assume these people were posers because clearly they weren't paying attention to anything that happened at Hardcore before. I mean, hell, you're from Detroit. Yeah. Remember where the Laughing Hyenas before? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the guy from Negative, John Brandon's band afterwards, pretty much directly afterwards. It's, right. uh, it's not a hardcore band. <laughs> right. So that's the, I, that is my personal view on it. You know, and in, in, in recent history, we've had your title fights, we've had your culture abuse, we've had, you know, Glitterer now from Title Fight. We've Which had, awesome. we've, we've even, if you go colder and nor- more northern, you have Cold Cave, and you have, you have, uh, I, the list goes on of, Guys and gals from hardcore doing cooler and more melodic. Well, you stuff, get the so. yelling out, and then you're like, "Wow, I'd really like to make something pretty." <laughs> right, and then if you go over to like you know Europe, go you know to UK, you know there's a lot more like younger bands that are you know they came from like a you know a hardcore you know scene, but they're doing something that's a lot more melodic while still having that kind of hardcore edge in it, you know. Like we were saying before, like how that 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 bubble burst and like all these n- newer bands were coming out of the woodwork that were just like, hey, let's do something like you said, a little bit more prettier. Oh yeah, and that's the thing is, man. Like that's the amount of problem to tell you. You seem like you're a knowledgeable person. Like the, you know, the the first punk bands, the whole thing they wanted to do was be the Beach Boys. I mean, that's the right. like, whole background. I mean, the name Ramones, even for the Ramones, comes from a pseudonym that Paul McCartney took when checking into hotels. Right. He's checking in as Paul Ramone. I mean, the biggest influences on the Ramones were the Beach Boys and the Beatles. Pop music is the backbone of punk. Anyone that disagrees is lying and also a poser. So. Oh, right, right, right. Definitely. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here. <laughs> Make my day. Make my... <laughs> so, 
you know, uh, before you were just kind of talking about like sort of being on tour, sort of like a breath of fresh air, how people were reacting. Is there is there anything else that like that you felt in the hardcore scene that was just like noticeably missing that you really enjoyed that it was missing on this recent tour? There is something about hardcore punk that is both an advantage and a disadvantage, right? So I have friends that do hip hop, you know, I have friends that do lots of stuff. There's no end, there's no open floor, opening level for stuff like hip hop. There's no, yes, there's DIY hip hop and underground hip hop, but there's still, there's not like, hey, these kids from a new hardcore band, they're going to go play a show and get their DIY wiggles out and then they're gonna whatever and then joe will pay attention in philly or something like that there's not like that for other genres but like what you know when i was in um the last several bands i've had have had a really strong start you know like uh, i've been really we've been really blessed and so there was a band of mine in philly and we had uh you know we had a really strong first year and a half and we got like a co-sign like immediately we played the after show for this is hardcore you know we got a record deal very fast and um the we like there was a guy on like an interview that we were doing that asked me like do you think that's like something you guys earned do you think it's something about who you know and that's the thing is in hardcore to answer your question everything's who you know that's the point of the music scene there is that there's not like a fan and then artist thing going on right stage and an audience thing going on everybody's both everybody's everything and there is no real division there and what that so that's something that's cool about hardcore but it's also like sort of one of hardcore's biggest flaws because you know if your whole music scene is rooted in a couple of important friendships that can come and go with the flip of a coin then you don't really have anything at all do you you know it's it, it, People, friendship is something that doesn't exist until it's tested. And so if, if it's all this sort of tenuous thing, somebody here is canceled on Twitter now and this, that, or the other thing, and then somebody's entire band has to go away because they lost the approval of three guys that run a fest or something like that. Yeah. It's good to let leave that stuff behind. And so that's, I will say this, the egoism and the sort of weird, awkward clickiness that wasn't there was beautiful and refreshing. We played one quantifiably hardcore show on this tour, and we had a good time, but there was an air about it that was still weird. I mean, I, 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 we had a great time. People seemed to enjoy our set, but it felt awkward, man. And it, it was there was too much posturing. Right, right. To answer your question. Now, don't get me wrong. Every scene has its flaws. Hardcore is no exception, and it's not particularly bad in some way or another, but I certainly didn't miss that. When, you know, what do you, where did, you know, when you were in writing, uh, writing the material for this record, what's, you know, what were you drawing from? What were the stories or the lessons that you really wanted to share with on the, on this record? Yeah, sure. Again, a little question. Um, cause this, the, the subjects vary, um, throughout all of the songs. Um, and all of the lyrics were written at different times. It wasn't like we sat down and wrote, you know, uh, for me, at least when I songwrite 
and when I lyric write, um, it's it's like over time. Uh, but I think I think there's there's like several themes. You know, sure. Themes. Um, uh, the song Avenue, um, my I, like I was really, I guess, pressed in heart to write about, like the opioid epidemic um, in Philly. Um, that's yeah. what that's about, uh, and just like crying out in the street of in for there to be for people to recognize that they have identity and they have worth and they them not knowing that and just like overall just the the problem with with drugs in america um so that's what that song's about and then we have yeah we have we, we cover a lot of themes i mean like there's a lot of relatability i think in a lot of it i mean there are songs that i wrote at one time that ended up meaning way more later on too i mean like a lot of the focus of this band is i mean like a lot of the lyrics in a wrote promise with no influence of mine uh <laughs> she wrote about being in love with me and i mean hell if i was on the mic i'd probably be doing the same thing yeah, about her. <laughs> uh, i get it we have a great marriage marriage is very nice and it also slaps um but, you know, so we have songs about that falling in love we have we have songs about people being people and, and like broken friendships broken and friendships and well it's about people letting you down um yeah. and there's a lot of there's a lot of social theme in that and that's really it man i mean like there's, there's not a whole lot of this band is sort of quantifiably unpolitical um but we cover a lot of really the rest of it social interactions and friendships and relationships and things you'd want to process if you for some reason had two years off from being able to play music live which hopefully never happens again right right what do you what do you hope your uh, listeners get out of uh listening to this album I mean, I personally hope that they don't feel so weird and alone. I mean, I think that we live in a pretty narcissistic time right now, uh, like as a whole. Uh, I think we live, I think people are really self-obsessed right now in a way that maybe they've never been or hasn't been as amplified. And I hope that hearing songs about moving on and recovering from super messed up friendships and, you know, uh, hear, or even honestly, on the other side of the coin, hearing about marriages that work and are you know, like hearing that the the classic arrangement of a a husband and wife loving each other and laying one one another's lives down for each other is actually works out and is good and has yeah. joy and happiness. I hope that they realize that. I hope that hearing it one, they're they're having fun, and that they realize that if they come up to us at a gig, that we're probably gonna make friends. Two, that that they are able to make the individuals in their thought process, ironically, in a very sort of progressive time that we're living in the sort of the what should be a very individualistic time has actually just sort of pendulum swung the other direction in the herd mentality uh, and i hope that people realize they can think for themselves as well that maybe they don't feel so part of me so weird to say they ended up on the the, the crappy end of a social situation or a breakup that's my personal hope or specifically with the song about opioids that they see a glimmer of hope if they're trapped in the yeah. Sorry, I don't. But um, okay, yeah. So uh, as we wind this uh interview down, wait, hold on, just one moment. It looks like I'm like, I'm freezing up here. Wait a minute. It happens to the best of us. <laughs> Dude. 
Much caffeine. Yeah, I'm going so fast right now. Hey, he's not lagging anymore. All right, here we go. Okay, as we uh, as we wind down this uh, you know this interview, um, what you know, what's next for you guys? You, you know, the album's about to come out. Um, after you know a couple years, this pandemic, you know, what's what's next? Well, what I'm finding out is that you we gotta go tour now. Uh, so we're talking about some like another week or uh, one to two weeker different part of the country at the end of the year. Um, I mean, right now we have the the next single for the record comes out on Friday. You know, has a video with it. Um, the then you know a month later there will be the, the final single and then. The, the record and you know for us it's just like this record's out i think it will speak for itself we're going to play on it and my hope is that bands that we like right now uh, will pay attention as well and we can do some touring together every all the bands that we intersected with we were really lucky to on this tour but i liked pretty much everyone we played with um, so yeah that's really what's next man playing and letting this record marinate with the public maybe a little bit of writing Awesome. You guys are you guys are so cute together. It's awesome to see like a married couple in a in a band, and it's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> can I can I just agree with you? Yeah, I also think we're super good. <laughs> I'm so glad. Aw. God, I don't know what age I hit where I think I'm hilarious, but this is terrible. I'm so sorry. He acts like a dad a lot, and I look around for our children because it's just so much dad vibe going on that I'm like, I have to have children right now. I don't know where they are. <laughs> they're here. Some they're in okay. spirit. The kiddos are here. I don't know. I don't. I don't have kids. I I don't know what age I hit. I think it was 22. When I just officially, people in various scenes just thought I was basically their dad suddenly, and I was like, my friend, I am college age. Sure? And even when he gives somebody advice, he'll go, I'm not your dad, but... Listen, I'm not your dad, but... Uh, you should like, not do that, or you should do this. Yeah. Like, he'll tell them, and they'll be like, And here's the right. thing, I'm actually right, for sure. <laughs> the, is the, the... I can play down. I'm just telling you I'm proud of it. I'm so great. sorry. Anyway, I'm not yeah, sorry. That's not true. Um, <laughs> But yes, dude, yes. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's all good. And 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 for the for the music nerd that's in me, like, do you got do you guys still have any of those uh, tapes that you pressed up years ago? Well, uh, Convulse absolutely sold out of all of those, so no. Um, I don't know if we'll ever redo tapes. Uh, I we also wish... just sold out of all of our vinyl. Yeah, we we. But we're getting the new ones. But we're getting the new ones, and they're really cool. And and, really and cool. maybe maybe Smart Punk would want to do a tape release of this. Oh, that would be fun. People like tapes. People like yeah. You know, they're really cool. Yeah. People like stuff. I like that stuff. I mean, I like we did a lathe cut, which is really cool. I much prefer it to a flexi. Um. And 
Yeah, to answer your question, probably, I don't think we have any left at all. I mean, they sold out immediately. But we could in the future. But we could in the future. Time will tell, which I'm positive will go on my headstone. Time will tell. <laughs> will tell. Uh, that and uh, I just work here. Yeah. <laughs> all right, it's been great talking with you both. Uh, you know, good luck with everything. Please um, let everybody know where they can go online to uh, get more information about Stud Count. Um, yeah, so uh, one, it, we're on all streaming platforms. Like these singles are dropping like on like streaming sites for Friday. I know an Australian one called Punctuation, but with a K, which is very clever of them is doing premiere in Australia. And then there's like a feature on Friday in the U S under no echo, uh, com. So you can read those, you can hear some stuff. Uh, and then everything's on like Spotify and YouTube, you know, both the single that dropped through my window, um, in May. And then also the one that drops on Friday, those are available on YouTube. They have music videos that go with them. So you can go find those. If you want to see what we look like wearing sunglasses, um, <laughs> or driving a or driving a vintage T-bird. 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 we got to drive a T-bird. Uh, yeah. and, uh, also, we're on Instagram at Stud yeah. USA and Twitter, which we were forced at gunpoint to make. Uh, oh, by the way, so we have a Twitter, and that's just at Stud Count. Great. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Thanks again for having us. By the way, yeah, man, this was you. a real pleasure. And please don't be a stranger if we're ever in Detroit, and if or if you're ever in Philly or uh, East Tennessee. We live most of the time. <laughs> okay, I'll keep that in mind, man. Yeah, it's been a, it's been great talking with you. Like I said, cute couple, love it. Thank you. God is good. It's good. <laughs> All right, y'all have a good day. You as well, man. Thanks again. All right. Thank you for listening to the Fresh of the Word podcast, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. Empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash Fresh of the Word. Fresh of the Word theme music provided by Steve O. You can find more of his productions at imsteveo.bandcamp.com. And that's E-Y-E-A-M-S-T-E-V-E-O.bandcamp.com. Fresh of the Word is available on all major streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Fresh of the Word, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash Fresh of the Word. Follow Fresh of the Word on social media on Twitter at Fresh of the Pod, on Instagram at Fresh of the Word Podcast, and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Fresh of the Word. For more information about Fresh of the Word and our other podcasts, Breaking Records and Renaissance Soul, and a collection of pop culture articles and reviews, please visit freshofthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.